walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. And if you're listening on audio, you're listening on Spotify, if you're just listening to my sweet, velvety, buttery voice in your ears, you're probably like, well, gee whiz, just another episode of the Apron Bump Podcast with my pal, the hardest part of the ring. And I'm glad to be there with you in your car or your uh, sex dungeon or wherever you listen to me. And I appreciate you for uh, listening. If, uh, if you're checking this out on YouTube, youtube.com backsplash, backs, backslash apron bump. Give the video a like, a subscribe while you're at it. If you're on YouTube, you're probably like, gee, hardest part of the ring. What the fuck is wrong with your face? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it, it was a lot worse the past few days. Uh, I'm recording this on a uh, Monday afternoon and uh, had a little had a little debacle on Saturday night. Just a little fun fact about the hardest part of the ring. I have very bad gag reflex. Just gonna just gonna let that marinate for a second. Uh, I have terrible gag reflex. My dentist gets mad at me because my I can't control my tongue. I'm gagging on on everything that they put in my mouth. I, I just terrible. It's thank goodness I'm a straight man because uh, man, I would be a single person forever if not. Uh, but the reason I bring this up is uh, this becomes an issue when I vomit right now. I don't vomit very often, right? But when I do. It's 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 torturous. It's very violent sounding. I'm sure it feels the same as any of you vomiting, but man, does it just sound like I'm getting murdered when it happens. And the reason for this is because I have to strain very hard because of the gag reflex. And due to this, every time I vomit, every fucking time I vomit, all of the fucking blood vessels in my face burst and I turn into a just a purpley blotchy asshole. Okay. So that's why right now it just looks like I have two black eyes, but the past couple days it was like splotchy all over. I had spots all over me. It's still kind of, I don't know how well you can see it, but uh, yeah, just wanted to lay that out front. 
the softest part of the ring is not abusing me. She did not punch me in both eyes. Uh, I've tried to get her into kickboxing, and believe me, she would not leave a black eye. Well, yeah, Saturday night, just the wife was out of town. Let me just have myself a bachelor night, watch some NXT, maybe drink a few Modellos. Man, hopped on on Xbox, played some PGA golf with some of my buddies. Did a little drinking, did a little, little just, just a little loosey-goosey time. And uh, apparently daddy can't hang anymore because like six or seven beers is all it takes apparently for it to just come back up. And here's the, here's the kicker. Here, here's, here's, here's just the icing on the cake. So I've, I've been eating better recently. I always eat like decently, but I've tried, I'm trying to not do the late night bullshit now. So on Saturday night, a little, little, little topsy turvy, a little upside anal, had a couple of brewskis. Did not order McDonald's or whatever the fuck. Not no Taco Bell. I had a nice meal prep in the fridge. Had some grilled chicken. Had some broccoli. Had some rice. About an hour later is when I puked, and uh, apparently that's not enough time for your food to digest. So broccoli florets came shooting out my gullet in the same exact form that they went in there. And I don't know if you've ever vomited up broccoli florets the leafy greens coming out of you it is just it is just a disgusting repulsive time now is there anything worse than puking up broccoli and chicken and rice and looking at it in the toilet and it being in the exact same form that you ate it in is there anything worse than that my answer is yes wwf in your house six (laughs) Just kidding. This is actually a very good show. Actually, a uh, very a pretty, a really damn good show. Actually, in your house six. Uh, I'm just gonna segue out of the uh, previous conversation. Um, does this have a title in your house six? You know, you know how they all have kind of just like the uh, retroactively they just like add the title after it. Let me let me do a little little Google ski here. It's just not called anything. I guess it was just it's just a self titled uh, Rage in the Cage. Okay. In your house six, rage in the cage. That's fun. We're having fun. Um, but yes, good show. Like I said, um, it's in your house is, and it's where we're leading up to WrestleMania. But I think they set the tone for that show very well with this. And uh, with 1996, early 96, we talk about this a little bit in the podcast. But it's really a crapshoot. It's really there's just man. Attitude Era is coming, but on the way there, it is just a lot of horse manure. Um, but this show was not one of those things, because uh, for God's sakes, we got Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart. Great googly moogly. What a uh, what a combo of gentlemen wrestling each other. I wish they would have had more matches together, honestly. I wish they would have had a full on program, to be honest. But uh, pretty good match here in your house. Six, a dream match of sorts. It's not a match that I was aware that ever happened. And I wish I could say everything on this show was good, but uh, we also have a crybaby match. (laughs) Crybaby match. And we'll get into what exactly that entails when we get to the episode here. Uh, What else? What what else happens on this show? We got Yokozuna cutting a promo for the first time. We got a steel cage match main event, hence the name of the show. 
And uh, gee whiz, man, I might as well change the name of this podcast to Jim Cornette's Drive Through Through the Apron Bump. Because God damn it, am I not talking about Jim Cornette every single week, it seems like. I just covered him debuting in Ring of Honor. I just covered him debuting in TNA. And now, I mean, he's been in WWF, but man, he is very prevalent throughout the show. I feel like I've just nonstop talking about Jim Cornette. <laughs> but uh, that's the beauty of this podcast. We get to see characters and all of their incarnations throughout the years. Get to see the evolution of people. Get to see the evolution of the product in general. And uh, I think that's what makes this show unique amongst all the other uh, retro wrestling podcasts. But uh, speaking of unique elements of this podcast, make sure to stay tuned for the end uh, where we will grade this show and score it and take a look at the updated standings for. uh, Yeah, I guess I need a name for this, right? We'll come up with a name for it, but it's, it's the battles for supremacy. In 1996, amongst the three major North American companies, WWF, WCW, and ECW, we got a whole spreadsheet. We got a scoring system going. We got some running standings going already, and we'll see how this show changes that. So uh, make sure to check out the end of this episode. And if you like the Wrestling Wars of the 90s, if you like the Monday Night Wars, you like the Attitude Era, you like WCW, you, you love the Dungeon of Doom, you love Sandman. You love all that stuff. I suggest you go to apronbump.com and you can select any promotion. You can go up to the episodes tab at the top and filter down to any promotion, any era of wrestling that you would like to hear me recap. And this includes the wrestling wars of the 90s. And you can select that and it'll bring you to all of the WWF, WCW and ECW events that I have recapped thus far, all in chronological ish order. And uh, yeah, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. We're, at, we're, we're about to enter a period where there's going to be a lot of flux, a lot of flip flopping, a lot of debuts, a lot of people leaving, a lot of uh, world orders being started. <laughs> uh, so it's a good time to hop onto that and make sure you catch up uh, based on what I've recapped so far. So do that. And you know what else you should do? You should check out the Young Kings Wrestling Podcast because they are my guests on today's show. Had a great time with Reek and TC covering In Your House 6. Great dudes. Awesome podcast. They cover wrestling, obviously. They do uh, a lot of the current stuff, you know, the major bullet points. So they talk about some retro stuff, too. They do like a this day in history type of deal. They do uh, brackets. They do lists. They, they do it all. They do they a lot of unique stuff. Um, from Young Kings Wrestling. So go check them out. You can check them out wherever you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube, ykwrestling.com for everything you need from those guys. And I'll put all of their info, all the socials and all that in the description as well. Go check them out. With that, I think we should get right to it, shall we? WWF, In Your House 6, Rage in the Cage with myself. And Reek and TC from the Young Kings Wrestling Podcast. So, so what's your guys' problem with Jim Cornette? To, to start this off, I don't have no off. beef with Jim Cornette. I don't have beef Look. with Jim Cornette. He, I, I, I don't listen to him. I don't mind him though. Like how other mm-hmm. wrestling fans always bring up Jim Cornette and just shit on him. I don't care. Yeah. Like he's an old man. He's born in what the fifties. Like he's going to have opinions like that. So like mm-hmm. you just gotta let that shit slide sometimes, but yeah, 
I mean, you a little too heavy on the Jim Cornette, man. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even I know he was that care. prevalent in the WWF at that time. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, we're, I guess, an hour and 50 the show was, and he was probably on screen for, like, what? At least an hour of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. He was in, like, uh, three straight segments. I, I, don't, I don't. Cooked Yokozuna yeah. for whatever reason, like. For no <laughs> reason. That about? For no reason. And that went on for a long ass time, but I'm just like, I I don't care for Cornette like that. I it just he's he's fine in moderation, but yeah, it's like, moderation. That's, that's you know funny. when you, when when you do when you do too much, it, it it becomes a problem. Like like you know, some people over there like like TK, you know, you do a little too much of something, it becomes a problem real fast. <laughs> This, this yeah, was an man. example of that. Like, I could take one segment of Jim Cornette. Once you pass that quota, you're doing a little too much. Like, three in a row? It was like three or four in a row? He, he, was, yeah. the, he was the Paul Heyman of the new generation, you know? Oh, God. Can't hate him. That's where we're so he, he has a lot of clients. He's in high demand. Gotta respect the, respect the hustle. That motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Can't, cannot accuse him of not taking this seriously. No, not at all. So you guys were uh, you guys were able to check out the show? Yeah, I watched yep. it last night. Uh, I was at work, did some overtime, so I was like, let me let me shoot this up after SmackDown. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was long enough to get me through my overtime too. So like, clocked out right there when it was over. I was like, That's <laughs> not too long though. Okay, me and me and Rick right, were talking. It was sub two, two hour hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. Rare. Were you guys compared to the Rumble? Goddamn. Whew. Oh man. Yeah. WrestleMania's even. I mean, even though this is their normal TV shows now. Like, Raw is right. like twice as long as the show. So exactly. But um were you guys were you guys watching in this era? Because I know you guys watch a lot of old stuff. Were you watching like around this time? I wasn't. Nah. Yeah, this was like I was too year, young. Maybe a year and a half before I like yeah, before I got really I was young. three years old uh when this event took place. So yeah, okay. Was, okay. So uh, we're around the same kind age. Of before my time. Yeah. Um. But I guess I, the, the in your house concept. It was like obviously a shorter show, but they also charged less for it. What did you guys think about that concept of like a, a lesser pay per view, but still a pay per view? It was better than I thought it was going to be. Like I never like outside mm-hmm. of like the big WrestleManias and Rumbles, I never really watched any special events from around this era. So. I was like, yo, this is a decent show. Um, like, yeah. HBK Owen was solid. That's probably my match of the night. Um, yeah. I did. Who, this dumpster dude? Never heard of him. Never <laughs> heard of him. You, you, you're not familiar with the Duke? <laughs> nah. Bro. He was over, <laughs> though. I was like, yo, crowd is fucking with this. I, insanely. All the crazy, like, He's, occupational yeah, gimmicks, they loved that shit back then anyway. So I'm not even shocked. That he was over. Mm-hmm. Repo Man. Repo Man was fire. Could have been a faction. Just throw all of them together. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, they. I, I would agree. The show overall was pretty solid, especially like early 96. It's kind of a crapshoot. Like you, you get a lot of garbage, oh, garbage, pun to pun. But, um, <laughs> but this show, uh, even though there was a literal garbage man on it, it was probably the least garbage show I've seen in this era so far. Um, that being said, the, the opening match, we got a crybaby match. It's good, right? It's good, right? Yo, 
Razor and Kid just were just like high as fuck one day. They was like on the road <laughs> traveling. I, and they was like, hey, yo, what do we do this? Oh, you we think it was there? Right? After the, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's some shit. Or it was like See, a rib, like Kid did some shit and they just had to rib him. Mm. Put a diaper on him. Right, CT. C- C- cover him in baby This powder. is why we say all the time. This is why we say all the time, me and him always in sync. I literally have it written down as I watched the match. The drugs was drugging yeah. in this match. So you, you don't think that was baby powder in that little container? Probably not. <laughs> they, Bro, they literally, the first it, thing I thought of was like, yo, baby powder has a very distinct taste. Like, if it's the scented one. So, like, that's probably uncomfortable. <laughs> so, I wonder what that was. Flour or, you know, something else, you know? Mm. Never know in 1996. I don't know when it comes to wrestlers. They they were doing yeah. a whole bunch of shit. Do you, do you often taste baby powder? When I was a kid, nah, like it you get though. it in your, you know, you get it in your. It, and you remember the taste from back then, huh? Oh, oh that taste is distinct, bro. Like there's <laughs> certain tastes that are just vivid. You never forget them. Right. You think about it, and it's like your brain just. Baby powder, scented baby powder is one of those. I used to do the LeBron James, and I uh-huh. get powder baby. all over the place, man. <laughs> just that smell is just nah, take uh, up the whole room. You know, you know what's like what's always gonna be weird to me is seeing Sean Waltman as one two three kid, clean face, not a single man, facial hair. I, I never knew kid was a heel, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had that expression on his face like Napoleon Dynamite, which was killing me the whole match. <laughs> he looks like a completely different person without facial hair. Yeah. Like, right. And yeah, like you, I didn't really know he had a heel run either. I guess it was pretty short because I don't know when he goes to WCW. I don't think it's too far it's not from too this long point. After it's obviously, yeah. is it around the time I guess where it's Razor Googleable. and Diesel hop over? It is Googleable. It is Googleable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they were trying something. He was in the mil- he's in the million dollar corporation at this point. That's why Ted DiBiase is with him. That faction's kind of just it's not even really a thing. Like King Kong Bundy was in it, and then he left, and they had like Nikolai Volkov for somebody steal. Like it's just a, a terrible faction. They're doing shit. Like, yeah. They really are. That's a, this, that's the new generation for you. <laughs> I'm wondering what Ted did to be subjected to this shit because. Uh, who who did he piss off? <laughs> he was he just looked so out of place in all of this. He's fighting for his client, man. He's, yeah, he doesn't want like to... February. Yeah, February. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he he's gone by like May. Then they said he went to rehab. That's what Wikipedia says. I don't, don't trust Wikipedia all the time. Mm. You don't think it's from the embarrassment of losing this match? I mean, it's high stakes. It's high stakes. The crybaby match. Well, it says his final match was in May. And then he went to rehab, and then he showed up in WCW in September. I see. I see. But uh, on the way there, maybe one of the reasons he had a good rehab was his crybaby match. And the mm-hmm. uh, the stipulation, which I don't know if we've ever seen another one, surprisingly, after this. Nah, but uh, the loser. Movie. The loser has to put on a diaper and uh, suck on a baby <laughs> bottle. Because... Uh, now, I want to know what was in that bottle. That was clear. That, that, that wasn't milk. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute, ain't that's not milk. So what's going on here? Yeah, that was a odd choice. It just, oh, I'm squirting water on you. Huh? Aren't you embarrassed? Like, it was like not that different than like a Gatorade bottle. It was just a big stupid. That's bit, probably, I don't know. That's probably a rib between the two of them. Like, yeah. oh, so if you lose this match, you get vodka on your face. <laughs> but 
that shit sting real quick. And just sent kid Baca into a spiral and then go to rehab. <laughs> Look, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not far-fetched. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with that. But, I mean, uh, kid comes out, first of all. He has a stroller. He's coming out as entrance. And there's a razor bear in the stroller. A razor bear, everybody. It's a bear with a Razor Ramon shirt, I guess. I don't know if that was... Uh, did you guys ever own a Razor Bear back in the day? No. <laughs> I didn't know Razor Ramon existed until like 2000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's never too late. Um, but uh, yeah, so kids really hyping it up here, I guess, as much as he can. Ted DiBiase, of course, has the baby powder along with him. And then the match gets underway. There's some wrestling here somewhere. Pretty solid. I mean, the guys have good chemistry, obviously. They're really good friends. Mm-hmm. You got Kid. I mean, Kid was just a diamond in the rough in this era with all the occupational bullshit going on. Like, Kid was like way ahead of his time with all like the martial arts kicks and all that stuff, the frog splash from the top rope, all the high flying stuff. They even, oh, yeah. uh, they do a little callback in this match, too, obviously, because one, two, three, Kid started by uh, upsetting Razor Ramon on Raw. And they did a kind of similar move where Kid came off the top with like a moonsault crossbody type thing yeah. but uh did not get the one two three this time and then razor fights back hits a sack of shit slam from the second rope and then uh kid as, as ted dibiase is like distracting the ref kid puts some powder some of that white powder in his hands mm-hmm. and is gonna throw it in razor's face but uh, that that damn razor ramon kicks it out of his hands into the face of kid hits him with the razor's edge one two Pulls him up. He said, no, I'm going to hit him one more again. One more Razor's Edge. Gets the win. And, uh, oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I guess you guys, uh, do you guys have kids? I don't. Or have you have you changed the diaper? If not. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sufficient yeah. with it. You, okay, so, the, so you're saying that his form was good here because it, it was oh, a little, yeah. uh, a little sus. A little sus. Uh, because he literally just takes kids' Velcro legs. Was kind of strange, you know, but <laughs> a little too easy. Yeah, yeah. but I guess because uh, he literally just you hear it in concept the stipulation. It's like oh, it's kind of silly, but in, in execution, it's even worse because he takes kids' ankles and just puts it behind his head, puts yeah. the powder all over his chest and face and asshole, and puts yeah, on put the powder the on after the fact. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't right. But. That's right. That's where he messed up. Yeah. Now he's now now so, kid just gonna have all sorts of diaper rash. I mean, yeah, really that's pro- that's proper form. It is. Yeah. And then uh, kid like slowly gets up after Razor leaves, and I love the facials. He like slowly realizes that he has a diaper on, rips it off, smashes the stroller, and uh, yeah, it's a good stuff, right? Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a way to kick the show off. Razor was over too, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like every, everyone in that group had great chemistry, so they, they wasn't gonna have a bad match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh the click it's this this show is click heavy. That, that's yeah. for that's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's straight up click and BSK. That's that's all this show was. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, those are some of the best uh guys in the company at this point. So can't really hate him too much for that. But uh yeah, any other thoughts on this this barn burner of an opener? Nah, it was it was solid. Uh, Should it's they bring the stipulation back? Way to open the show. No, please don't. Please don't. Have uh, no, I'm good off that. There was a time where they could have, like, during the pandemic when they was in the, the uh, the PC and they was just trying anything. 
they could have got away with that then. Right. Not with no live crowds. Don't do this. The, the the chances of this match coming back are an absolute zero after this past July. Yeah. This past July. <laughs> what happened this past July? The guy who booked this match retired. Uh, so. Oh, I see. I see. I'm with you. You don't think Triple H is all about this? <laughs> well, Please don't. Speaking of which. If he... If he is, we're gonna have some stuff to say. Oh, about we got him. we're gonna have some conversations, especially when people act like, oh, it's the most amazing thing ever. We're really gonna have some conversations. <laughs> Only yeah. time will tell. Only time will tell. Well, we're almost at uh that man in particular, but before that, we gotta we gotta address the uh the hotline backstage. I uh, I don't know. Like like you guys, because I'm a similar age, the, the the concept of calling a hotline to get the inside scoop is just Beyond me, okay. like having to pay Pause money to call quick. it. Please. Am I the only one that remembers those spoiler hotlines and you would call like two days before SmackDown aired and they would tell you all the spoilers? Or am I just too fucking old? I think I've heard about that. I've never personally called one of those, but. Yeah. They stopped doing them in like 2005-ish. Yeah. Right. Well, that was the Twitter back then. You would have to call yeah. a number and then you'd have yeah. to listen to it. They would have like the Dave Meltzer reports, the who's jumping from what company. They would have all that. You just have to call a number and yeah. Yeah, I think I think I saw it. He I served never, a purpose I at one point that. in time. It did. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> never has, never will. But uh, he's, been pollu- he's been polluting this planet for what, 60 years? Oh, he ain't stopping. Damn. He ain't stopping. But uh, speaking of polluting the planet, we got Sonny here backstage, uh, along with uh, <laughs> fucking uh, who is this dude with her? I, I didn't catch his Ray name. Ray Rougeau. Oh, the Mountie. Oh, that's the Mountie. Really? Okay. Ray Rougeau, the, one of the Rougeau I, brothers was the Mountie. I don't remember which one. I think it was Ray. This guy's the Mountie in my head now. I don't care I if would, it's true or not. I would never recognize him outside of college. Oh, it, it was so, his brother. Yeah, I, it was his I, brother. I didn't take your word for it. Okay. No, he's the Mountie in my head. I, that, that's it. Because I would have never, I would have never known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're plugging the hotline. Sony apparently wants to fuck Razor Ramon and uh, with the yeah. Mounties wondering amongst about others. kids. Diaper rash. <laughs> amongst the dis- Several. Others. As long as you have a crisp $20 bill, she'll uh, at least consider you. Y'all remember JR was promoting Sonny's OnlyFans just out the blue? Oh, my God. But what was this? It was like around when the it, pandemic time, like right when the pandemic started. Yeah, man, that's... I didn't I didn't realize how down bad Jr. was until I saw him actually like promoting <laughs> one of her posts for it. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I was probably unprovoked though, too, knowing Jim Ross. Hey, oh yeah, definitely. You gotta shoot your shot. Like you see, he's got to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, and something's gonna stick, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, but you know, some I saw Sonny in this, this segment. I don't know why, but like the first person I, I saw. Was Stacy Keebler, because a young Sonny reminded me a lot of mm. Stacy, and I was like, "Damn!" And then I, I wonder where she been at. I can see it. Yeah. Who's better, young young Sonny or young Stacy Keebler? Stacy. Oh, St- Stacy off the legs a little. You think so? I was yeah. always more of a Sonny guy. A Sonny guy. I don't think Stacy's racist either. So there's that. Yeah. You, you never know. You never know. Well, I mean, knowing, know knowing then what we know now, I would definitely have to go with Stacy. That's fair. Um, if I was still ignorant to it all and I just saw Sonny back then, then sure. 
Right. I don't think yeah. you can date George Clooney and be racist. So I'm going to lean not racist with Stacey Keith. <laughs> is, is that a fact? Anybody that's not racist we... is George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's uh, a correlation I've never made before, but it's good to know. George Clooney just I've never seen up. another actor do an ad about Darfur, so he might be right about that. Okay. I've never seen okay. an actor beat up a director for mistreating extras on set. Yeah. But um, George Clooney never took out the trash. But speaking of which, no. we got uh, Duke the Dumpster Drosy versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The original Godfather. Duke or Triple H? Triple H. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, got his uh, only one singular hoe. Got Elizabeth Hilden. New ones every week. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, apparently she's a penthouse model. I'm not too familiar with her, but, uh, I guess when you're, you're as rich as Hunter Hearst Helmsley, you can, uh, just have whoever you want on your arm, I suppose. But, uh, man, this, uh, so the story here, it's not really much of a story other than Duke is smelly and he smells like trash and Triple H, uh, doesn't like that because he's obviously a, uh, you know, pinkies up type of dude here. So uh, I feel like this like era of <laughs> occupational gimmicks. Because we're like fresh off the hog pen match too and all that stuff. So this like falls right into Triple H's gimmick here. Just any like the hockey player, whoever. I just don't like you, so I'm gonna beat you up. But uh yeah. Honestly though, Drew Drew Drosy, I, I didn't I didn't hate him in this match. I don't know. What you guys think about this? No, nah, he was he was decent. Never heard of him, but he was all right. Yeah, yeah I I, I Crowd didn't, I didn't know him. this was a thing. I Yeah, I, I that, that was my thing. I'm like I, I had no idea you existed, but apparently, you know, people were feeling it. Um, like going into it as they're coming out, and he cut that like real ragey, roidy promo before he went out there. Uh-huh. I had to double check and make sure that the the curtain call hadn't happened yet, because I'm like, is, is this a part of his punishment period? Because I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking this was going to be all right, but it it was it was decent. I can give it that. Yeah. I mean, uh, Duke, so I've, he came around, I guess, like a year or two before this. He actually used to be a lot heavier, not a lot heavier, but decently heavier. He had like the long hair and stuff. And he had, he had looked pretty lean here. I was actually pretty surprised. I've never seen him like this. And they did the whole thing, or I guess on Superstars a few weeks ago, Triple H attacked him with his own trash can and then uh, (laughs) cut his hair. So now Duke has like a buzz cut and he looks a lot better, actually. Even his gear, I mean, it's the silly trash man shit but it's actually like decent gear now he used to just have like a, some coveralls that he found in a closet somewhere but um yeah he has a lot of fire he's he, you don't mess with a man's trash can that's what they say so he's re- pretty pissed he sprints to the ring in his entrance has a lot of fire and uh has some pretty good offense too he's some spine busters power slams uh but when he's getting ready to hit his finisher the trash compactor he yells something to the crowd what, what does he yell i don't remember um, it's time to take out the trash. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, because he's a garbage man, everybody. He's a garbage man. And uh, he goes outside to grab his trash can. He slides it in the ring. The ref is like, hey, you can't take this trash can in the ring. So he throws the lid in the ring, which, by the way, hits Triple H in the head. Like on accident, he was just <laughs> lying down, hits <laughs> him right in the fucking forehead. And um, as the ref is trying to take his can away from him, 
Triple H takes this lid, smashes Duke in the head with it, and gets the one, two, three. So Hunter gets the win here, and uh, yeah, the trash was taken out. Thoughts on this one? Ref, ref, refs was tripping, man. I don't <laughs> know how he got away with that one. Oh, which, by the way, I forgot to mention this in the first match. Tim White was not doing his goddamn job no. because uh, Kid had that sleeper on Ramon, and the protocol, as I recall, is that you're supposed to lift the arm to see if it goes limp. If it goes limp, you call the match off. My man is just crouching down, just like looking at him and having some little silent conversation and waiting for him to start getting back up. Like, it's damn Tim White. Come on, son. Do your job. Mm. No, nah, uh, but this match, I mean, like I said, uh, I'd be, I would have been more invested if I knew who the hell, uh, What's his name? Duke the Dumpster Josie. Duke the Dumpster. Yeah, yeah. I'd be more invested if I knew who the hell he was, but it actually wasn't a bad match. So I've seen Duke the Dumpster Josie before. In the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania X7. Yes. That's the only time I can remember. And yeah, I got a light bulb in my head now. I had to look that up. But uh, never heard of him. That that, that was when I first heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that I've seen that he was in that, I remember. I heard Sheik finally made it to the ring a year ago. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> yes. Finally. The longest story t- storyline in wrestling. It's uh right. It's amazing. It's amazing. But uh yeah, Duke didn't really do m- I mean, what's your ceiling with a, a trash man character? Because he had like this feud with the, the the with the Commonwealth or the Connecticut guy, Triple H. He had a feud with Jerry the King Lawler. So it's like you can only have feuds with these type of guys. What is he gonna go face Bret Hart or some shit? Like, I don't think so. So they they should have had him, Repo Man, and IRS form a stable and call it the middle class. Though <laughs> Isaac Yank him in there it, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yankum's I think Yankum's come and gone at this point. But no, nah, uh, he's a, I guess he'll make a he's return. Like early early ninety seven is when they phased that out. Oh, uh, well, that's unfortunate. Right, right. I was hoping right, he was yeah. still like right before uh, Kane. Still early yeah. ninety six. Really? I didn't know it was that quick a turnaround. I guess if you have a mask on, it doesn't really matter. Nah. But, uh... <laughs> Wait, he he was Diesel at one point. I can't remember anything. He was Diesel. Yes. Think, yeah, he was fake yeah, Diesel. Yeah, he was fake Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he might have right. phased out Isaac Gankham already at that point. Yeah, I think they did. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... We got a, uh... Pretty legendary moment here after this. So we got Yokozuna cutting his first promo, apparently, in WWF. Because uh, before this, he had just been a big Japanese guy with uh, Mr. Fuji or Jim Cornette always speaking for him. But here he's actually getting a chance to talk because uh, he's broken up from Camp Cornette and all that stuff. So he's on his own now. So he gets his chance to talk. I don't know. What do you think of his promo here? I, I never heard Yokozuna cut a promo before, and it's like, yo, me neither. Yeah, yeah. you, you, <laughs> you, you wanted, you wanted the Samoans for real. Like that's that's the type I, of energy. I made that note. Yeah, I was like, you could hear the Nawai in his voice for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's my first thought. Yeah, I was, was like, uh, this is decent. Like, <laughs> you, you, can you kinda, imagine him in the bloodline? Man. That'd be Ooh. dope. I was thinking Ooh. that too. I was like, I could picture you in the bloodline. You kind of. Like the Anuais favor each other very much. Like so, you mm-hmm. you kind of got that right. that Roman Reigns. I, I can see that y'all are related a lot. 
I think they're like first cousins, yeah. I believe. So uh something like some, that. Something like that. Yeah, there was a whole lot of there was a whole lot of menace in that promo. Whew. Yeah, man. I didn't it know was, I didn't uh, realize yeah. Yokozuna was that short though. I, I thought the same thing. I wasn't sure if Michael Hayes Hendricks. was tall. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's pretty tall too, but yeah, Yoko, I mean he's probably like six one, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't really the doc should have done the deal where he like spreads his legs to make himself shorter or something. But yeah. <laughs> like you're not supposed to appear taller than a talent. I thought that was the rule. Maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> just set it off. Yeah. That goddamn Michael. I mean, PSAs. none of the interviewers today are even close. Like Kayla's, nah, Kayla's a good four eleven. <laughs> right. right. On, a <laughs> On a good day. But uh yeah, so Yoko, a little storyline here is that Yoko, he was with Camp Cornette, which is obviously it was Jim Cornette heading it, and then Owen Hart and uh British Bulldog were a part of it. They had a match on Raw where Yoko, I guess, lost and Jim Cornette was just berating him. He was like basically saying it's his fault. And then Yoko was like, fuck you, buddy. So he basically just destroyed everybody. And now uh now we have this match coming up next. So uh but yeah, I just want to shout out Yoko and his promo ability, because like you, I'd never heard him talk. So uh Sorry. but he's going against British Bulldog here. Yoko Zuna is. And honestly, I saw this match on paper. And just knowing where Yoko was in this point of his career, because he's like, oh, Vince, a commentary said he was 650 pounds, which could be true. I mean, he was definitely huge. He was definitely huge. And he's towards the end of his run, I believe, maybe another year or so. Um, but I thought this match was actually decently solid and kind of fast paced, weirdly. I don't know what you guys think about this. Yoko could move, though, for a 600 pound. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm, I know he was hurt. Like, I know he was hurt, but uh, he was he was decent. Like, I don't watch many Yokozuna matches because uh, I ain't gonna lie, the character never really interests me, and I didn't get interested in Yokozuna until I found out he was related to The Rock and all those guys. So, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been really like recent that I started to care about Yokozuna, and then I found out he like lived in Compton or something too. So it's like. Really, He'd be around black people a lot. That's why, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I could kind of see, you know, where they wanted to like push him as one of the top guys. Like he had that presence to him, and it's like I saw like a little bit of like how like where Umaga got his like move set and everything because mm-hmm. a lot of it you could tell was modeled after this, um, and. Cleanest Samoan Samoan drop probably I've ever seen. Yeah, like that was fluid as hell. I loved it, but um, yeah, uh, him and Bulldog like had some some pretty solid uh pretty solid chemistry too. Um, mm-hmm. I think this was like this was like pretty much getting towards the the tail end of his run. Bull, but, Bulldog, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, because he's yeah. um. I've been watching this era chronologically, and Bulldog has had some stinkers in this era. So I, I did not have high expectations going into this match, especially where Yoko, because Yoko has been in a bunch of tags for the past year or two because of his weight. So I was mm-hmm. like, man, is he going to have the cardio to have a full-on match, a singles match? And it wasn't too long, but with the time that they had, I mean, it was pretty like Yoko, like beelines it to the ring, gets in there. They start going at it. And I mean, there weren't like rest holds really or anything. It was pretty much uh, a sprint this match was um and i said the same thing to yoko has his presence to him he has like a, he has like a charisma about him beyond his mic work he, he just has that presence about him that it's like you can't look away um 
Bonsai goes for the Bonsai drop on Bulldog, but Cornette, who's out there with Bulldog, he pulls Bulldog out. Um, a lot of the match is Bulldog trying to knock Yoko down with like top rope axe handles and all that stuff, but he can't knock him down, gets hit with a Samoan drop, which I also noted because it was just beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was just so smooth, Yoko. I mean, a man that big should not move that fast. It's it's right. crazy. Um, even all this bumping was good too. Like he was just so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, but the finish comes, the finish is a DQ because Jim Cornette gets in there with his tennis racket, smashes Yoko in the back <laughs> with it. Well, you got, uh, you guys got a problem with the tennis racket. That was, that was the most un DQ DQ <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Cause like this dude, it looked like, it looked like he just came up with a, a ping pong paddle and clapped him on the side of his shoulder. Like, oh, I wouldn't even call the call for the bell on that. Like, get your punk ass out the room. <laughs> what do you guys think that racket is made out? It, it was almost like it was just the case. Like, it wasn't an actual racket. Right. No, nah, like, yeah, it was yeah, a like, or something. You barely heard the sound it made. Yeah, it was. Um, it's like when you take like a pool noodle and slap somebody with it. Like that's what it sounded like. So it's like on Yoko Zuda, Basically. you probably didn't even feel it. But gets DQ'd, and uh, <laughs> Yoko's like, he's pissed, obviously. He backs Jim Cornette in the corner, and then in comes Vader, wearing a jacket for some reason. I don't know. They're really humanizing Vader here. First, this this man had on the jacket and a University of Buffalo's <laughs> t-shirt on. Oh, Colorado, Colorado. I'm sorry. Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, but why, why I, I, that was the most it? random thing I've ever seen. In, in regards to Vader, like I, I don't know what was going on here. <sighs> yeah, it's because Vader just debuted at the Royal Rumble the previous month, yeah. and uh, immediately in a feud with Yokozuna. Which do you guys think of that was a mistake? Because when you see Vader next to Yokozuna, Vader looks fucking tiny. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I I think they they should have. Not someone said it was a mistake. It's just too early. Hmm. Like yeah. Vader had just come in and it's like, you know, I, I think they kind of weren't sure where they were going to go with Yoko just yet. But it's like you're, you're kind of stuck in a spot because I, I think they made a match for them at Mania that year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was like now who man. you supposed to put? Because I was. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like putting the two of them together. It's like, who do you really put over in that situation? Because you just brought Vader in and. He had been such a big name over in Japan. He was a monster over there. Mm-hmm. Yoko's already been billed as a monster for the last couple of years. So it's like now you put yourself in a tight spot. I wonder if uh, maybe they're like trying to cut their losses with Yoko's not cut their losses, but like really like because I know he goes to rehab at some point to like lose weight. I don't know if this is after this or if he already like went and failed. Um, it's also Googleable, but uh, maybe they're like, yeah, let's have Vader beat Yoko. It'll make Vader look like a monster, and then we'll go from there. But I guess if it was a sixth man, maybe they just didn't have faith in it or whatever. But So, um, uh, from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, the feud took a painful turn a couple weeks later on April 8th, when Vader jumped on Yokozuna's leg, kayfabe breaking it. The splash was shown on television as a leg break. In reality, it was performed to allow Yokozuna to take some time off to lose weight. Hmm. However, instead wow. of a stretcher, a real forklift had to be brought out to carry Yoko. <laughs> I mean, I guess, right? I mean, how much yeah, can a, yeah. a stretcher possibly hold? You know? Yeah. 
And uh, and another thing, Reed Vader uh, in real life played football for the University of Colorado, which uh, explains that. Okay, that makes uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense then. Sure, I'm sure it does. But uh, Vader comes out here, <laughs> and uh, they do this. They handcuff Yoko to the top rope. They beat Vader and uh, Bulldog beat on Yokozuna in the corner. Jim Cornette gets a few more racket shots on him. Did those devastating tennis racket shots on Yoko. And uh, backstage, like all the agents and stuff come back to separated. It's kind of a, a decent angle, I thought, but seems like it didn't really have a conclusion. So who cares, I guess. And uh, But I mean, like, did Yoko just really not have no friends backstage? Because guess not. I yeah, mean, all the homies like, two years prior when when Undertaker was getting jumped. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what happened? Man, like, damn. That's no Jeff Jarrett. No, uh, who else was there? Fucking uh, Kama, maybe. Nobody. Nobody's there to help him out. But uh, something. But uh, my only note here was that Vader couldn't decide if he wanted to have the mask on. Or not, because it got knocked <laughs> off like two or three times. He was yeah. like, ah, no, I'll put this back on. Nah, never mind. It was I, I remember like I, I turned my head for two seconds. I looked back. He got the mask off. I'm like, what? he just, just decided he got hot and sweaty. Like, what, what, what's going on? You only been out here for like two minutes. <laughs> it was the leather, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was the leather. <laughs> well, speaking of leather, we got uh, Gold Dust backstage with Marlena. <laughs> In the AOL chat room, I guess this was. And <laughs> Gold Dust. This so there's so this man. Dated. Good Lord. Good Lord. Oh, man. So what was this? So I guess you could go in an AOL I, chat room and talk to Gold Dust. Is that what this was? I, I think sure. so. Yeah. Like, because he just caressing that dude that was doing all the typing on the computer. Dude. <laughs> he was just talking to him all the time. not so okay. <laughs> he was, oh yeah, man! He was, was typing right. on the laptop, but, and uh, Goldust had his arm around him. Yeah, oh. <laughs> but 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 can we, can we talk about the fact that these motherfuckers kept putting up an ad for a, a, a hotline where the number was not in service. <laughs> like three times they put that thing up, and it says literally said I mean, the it's number original is no longer but, working. That's yeah. all that was. Like, it, see, it yeah. was in service back then. Yeah. But now it's not. So if you call that now, you're not going to get gold dust, probably. Um, yeah, that's true. It was a 1-900 number. You might get a crazy bill, too. So I wouldn't do <laughs> <laughs> Well, they said that. They said they, they, they uh, it was like $1.30 or something like that per minute. minute Ooh, or something. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the guy. So gold dust is in, his, in the middle of a feud with Razor Ramon at this point. And I guess on Raw... They're going to face each other for the IC title. And Goldust is basically here hyping that up. And he says that he's oozing at the thought of facing Razor Ramon tomorrow. Thoughts? Oozing where? <laughs> you know where he's oozing. Because he oozes machismo, you see, Razor Ramon. But, oh. but Goldust also oozes. Oh, man. So, anyways. Uh, that's aggressive. That's highly <laughs> aggressive for so, no reason at all. So I, I let the uh, after this event ended, I let the other uh, in your house after this auto play uh, took place mm-hmm. in my hometown, Omaha, Nebraska. And there's a sign in the crowd that says "Gay Dust" on it. So a lot of that was acceptable back then. Yeah, it was. I mean, other companies like ECW, especially in this point, 
like when they would like trash on WWF or oh you got that gay shit over there with gold dust like it was very common. So listen, it's it's hard to be shocked by anything that comes out of the mouth of a man who was literally willing to get breast implants to make <laughs> his character go. Mm-hmm. He was man, he was he committed to it. He committed to it, yeah. and it was it was working because it was creating a lot of buzz. You know, maybe good or bad, but it was uh, kind of kicking off the attitude era a little early, in some senses. But oh, yeah. uh, most definitely. So after that, we got the match that I was definitely most looking forward to when turning the show on. We got Owen Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Just saying that is just I didn't even really know these guys faced each other, much less in a pay per view singles match. So, um, and not to mention the, the, the stakes here, mm-hmm. cause Sean just won the rumble and, mm-hmm. uh, the stakes here are the rumble or the mania main event. So if Owen Hart were to win, he would go on to challenge for the WWF title. And, uh, that just led me to think like, what, what would happen if Owen did win this? Like, do you, how, how do you think that would have changed the course of history? If Owen were to have, have won this, he'd probably still be, he would have had a better Iron Man match. Yeah. That's unfortunately true. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, and it would have made more sense because Sean and Brett having an Iron Man match in the first place, it, it nothing about that really hit. No, like in terms of building it, like what about it said that hey they need to settle this in sixty minutes for who can get the most falls? Yeah, man, was, that was the first time they ever did that at Mania. That's that's literally the only criteria that they needed <laughs> to to justify that. Yeah, that's all that was. Great match. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm definitely leaning towards TC when it comes to who the goat is, because the fact that my dude was doing his entrance, ran up in there, dropped him, threw him over the ropes, and said, <laughs> "Get your ass out and let me finish my entrance," <laughs> and they let the music run. They didn't cut it or nothing like that. No, and put the lights back on him, everything like that. That's cold. That's cold as hell. <laughs> Owen Hart kind of looked like a jabroni through a lot of this match. Um, yeah. It kicked it kicked in eventually. But because, uh, like you said, Sean, so he makes his entrance. And obviously, WrestleMania 12, I think, is when he makes his the dramatic, you know, uh, zip line mm-hmm. entrance into the arena. And they kind of it's almost like they're leading up to it with this one because he appears on top of the house, like the in your house deal yep. on the stage. And it's pyro on the house. He does like a George of the Jungle bullshit off of it just swings from the roof of the house onto the ground and uh does his sean michael sean michaels thing gets in the ring and like you said owens in there he just shit cans him over the top rope music doesn't stop he keeps dancing he does his pose owens just like hey man i wish you wouldn't have done that but he just lets him do his entrance i guess (laughs) uh but yeah awesome match awesome match i mean owen hart and sean michaels you can't really uh go wrong here we are kind of fresh off of Sean getting beat up by 20 sailors in a nightclub or whatever the hell it was where oh, um, yeah. he got oh, a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, dealing with all the concussion, the post-concussion syndrome. They did the little angle on Raw where he just collapsed in the middle of the ring. And this was uh, a match on Raw. It was Owen Hart versus Sean on Raw, but the match got cut because he collapsed. And uh, so that's kind of the story here is Owen's kind of taking responsibility for it. And he says he's going to do it again. So that's a lot of the story here. But yeah, what are you, what were your guys' thoughts on this match? I, I was looking forward to this. When I looked at the card, I was like, ooh, this is right before Mania. This is like 
Yeah. And and Vince has kind of been booking like this for a while. Like he'll give like the Rumble winner that that good ass warm up right before Mania, where they mm-hmm. think yep. they might lose and then they don't. So uh, that was fun. Um, another another Jim Cornette appearance. So he just whooped the man's ass the segment me. before this, <laughs> and is back out here again. Just like hardest working man in the business in 1996. Clearly, it's cutting the check, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, these two guys go at it. Pretty pretty uh, pretty equal in terms of athleticism. Sean, like in the beginning, Sean just like. That the, at the entrance deal with Owen, like that just continues because the match gets underway and Sean's baseball slides under Owen. And he just goes outside and high fives the crowd in the front row. And then Owen tries to do the same thing, but Sean just cross bodies onto him to the outside. Does like a uh, he like rides on like a surfboard in the middle of the ring at some point. So Owen's <laughs> getting kind of shit on here in the beginning, but Owen eventually gets the advantage a little bit. Got some suplexes, a little camel clutch action, missile drop kick from the top rope, blocks in the sharpshooter, which is a uh, an omen for a lot of Sean's career after this. But uh, Owen eventually uh, he hits an enziguri on the Sean, knocks him to the outside, and that was allegedly like what made Sean collapse on Raw. So that was a little callback to that. But uh, this time Sean does not collapse in the middle of the ring. He fights back. He the flying forearm, the elbow from the top, all of the classic Sean stuff. Misses the sweet chin music, and then uh, Owen goes for another enziguri, but he misses, and then Sean retorts with the sweet chin music and gets the win. So I like the finish; it's really smooth, and uh, yeah, Sean gets the win and it's off to Mania. So, any other thoughts on this one? I want to watch it no, again. I mean, that's that's yeah, because mm. that that's everything you expect from two guys like that. You know, I mean, Owen. Owen had his case for, you know, on his best day, rivaling Brett's best. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for him and Sean at that point in time, when he, when he was still getting hotter, like, this was like, I, I didn't even, I hadn't known that the two of them had that match together, like you said, just before Mania, where he was about to face Brett. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's what you'd expect to see when those two names are together. Yeah. For sure. Would uh would either of you guys let your kid go into the ring with Shawn Michaels in nineteen ninety six and celebrate? In ninety six, how though? <laughs> Never. Oh two? Fine. Perhaps. Yeah. But uh ninety six. Oh two is nah, too soon. No, 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 no. Oh six. You think? At the latest. Absolute latest. Yeah. Yeah. Some little girl. Was uh went into the ring and Sean did his pose with her on his shoulders and I don't know if there's a relative yeah, or not something, a girl. but Mm-mm. That's that's yeah. no, not for me, not for me, man. Yeah, man. But uh, we got Todd Pettengill here. He because uh, they're setting up for the main event, which is a steel cage match, which is just hilarious. They can't just lower a cage at this point. They have to literally just to say, <laughs> look out the fucking walls to the piece ring. by piece, setting this shit up. Um, but to uh, vamp a little bit before then, we got Todd Pettengill. He introduces the uh, acting president of the WWF rowdy Roddy Piper. And, uh, so this is after, so gorilla monsoon was the previous president, but Vader came and, uh, just rocked his world. He attacked him on raw, gave him a Vader bomb. And now a uh, gorilla's out of the picture. So Roddy is the acting president and, uh, <laughs> Roddy. First of all, I think Roddy's super entertaining. I love this whole thing. I did think it was a bit weird that he was 
Because he's like, I'm, I'm not politically correct. I'll say what's on my mind. I think Michael Jackson did it. It's like, why is yeah. that the... I got, I got, a, got an F for that promo. We don't slander Michael Jackson around here and get props from me. It just don't happen. And 96? I'm like, th- th- this was going on in 96? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought guess. later than that. I, did, I didn't do my Michael mm. Michael Jackson research. Maybe I should have, but uh, apparently it was, unless he's just foreshadowing, which maybe Roddy was part of it. I don't know. But. Yeah, this, this was a thing for a good like 10 years from like the 90s into the early 2000s. Right. Um, Piper's here basically to officially announce the WWF title match at WrestleMania. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. And he also announces that it's going to be Vader versus Yokozuna at WrestleMania, which I guess gets modified. Um, But this brings Jim Cornette out. And Jim Cornette and Roddy Piper going at it on the mic was a sight to see. It was definitely um, because you don't get a lot of good promos in this era. But these two going at it was pretty entertaining. Uh, Roddy at one point says something about how Vader's mask is a jock strap. Uh, I don't know. There, there are some good lines in here, but anything else stick out to you in this little segment here? Now, nah, by by the third this is time Roddy I seen Roddy, yeah, yeah, by the third time I seen Jim Cornette, I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was I was out of it. Yeah, we we got Michael Jackson slander about him. Another Jim Cornette appearance. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was out of it. <laughs> And there was something off brand about him showing up with a black dude to to like just kind of back him up or something like it was just something mm. something off brand about it well, that's for Jim. His, that's his lawyer, Clarence Mason. <laughs> oh man, not Johnny Cochran. It's Clarence Mason is with him. And uh, wasn't was Clarence Mason original Nation of Domination member? Or did I make that up? It was like a weird period in the that's beginning where like Crush was in it and two guys that were not in the nation. Or Bret Hart and Diesel. They're in the main event here for the WWF title. Steel cage match. Bret Hart defending against Diesel here. And uh, so this is, I think, their third pay-per-view title match. They had a Royal Rumble and a Survivor Series match the previous year. And they were both really some of Diesel's best matches. Kevin Nash's best matches in his career were against Bret Hart. And this was another pretty good one. Um, They had the classic blue cage, which... That was like my main takeaway here is like everything about this cage looked brutal, like getting whipped into the corner. You can hear it rattle like a fucking gunshot. Mm-hmm. Like it, it looked brutal. Um, but uh, by the way, the cage is like as tall as Diesel is like he's literally in the corner, has his hands resting on the top of the cage. So <laughs> yeah, it was a small ass cage, man. Yeah, I don't think they got tall cages until like around hell in a cell. Tom. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even then, in hindsight, looking at it, if you see it compared to what the cage looked like now, it, it, that was short. Yeah. Right. You remember that cage with Vince and, and uh, Stone Cold, St. Valentine's Day Massacre? Mm. That was a small ass cage. Oh, man. Yeah. I think that was that not the same one, just black? Yeah. It was the Basically, same exact yeah. cage. I think it was. Yeah. They need to bring that back. I think that I think the current steel cage is just too clean looking. That's why they made it red. I I was about to say, like, I, I, I would be I would feel better about it if they weren't giving it a paint job every year. Like, yeah. I, I've never been cool with that. Well, it's like hell, you see. Red. It's yeah. supposed to be, but I mean like that gimmick that gimmick was only supposed to be for one year. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? After that, get it up out of here. It didn't make no sense. <laughs> 
Yeah. But now, like, like you did say that too, and I was going to mention that too. Like, nobody hits a turnbuckle harder than Bret Hart. Like, he's, dude, dude mm, is like he's man. really trying to commit suicide when he hits that <laughs> corner. Sturdum. Like, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know how he just, his sturdum doesn't just crack into a million pieces every time he takes that bump into the corner. It is. That's what I'm saying. Insane. He wanted to get mad at Goldberg when he was caving his own chest down. <laughs> um, he wrestled two weeks after Goldberg kicked him, by the way. He did. He, he did. did. But uh, yeah, this match, a lot of it is kind of based on the escape, the the ring stipulation. So a lot of this match is either Diesel like trying to crawl out or Brett trying to climb over. What do you guys think of that stipulation in cage matches? Like, if I you didn't escape know the, cage, the door was a gimmick back then. Like, I thought the door yeah. thing was. I was. Like I didn't know that either. They introduced in like the ruthless aggression era, because mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. they did it like that in the attitude era. Like, you always had to climb over the cage, which is is honestly right. the proper way to do a cage match. So, that's right. Yeah, like one or the other. I just, mm-hmm. I think climbing over makes more sense. Like that, having that doorway is just like. It's only something mainly that the heels do anyway. So right. I, I I didn't see the point of it. Yeah. Cause I, I like it. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it should only you can escape, but only over the top, because that's like how desperate you are to escape the situation. It's that you'll climb this big ass, you know, in theory, this big ass cage yeah. to uh to win the match. But um yeah. the door was weird. The door was weird. It's not like Diesel couldn't climb it because he ended up climbing it pretty fast. Um but that's towards the end. But the match itself is pretty good. I mean, it was kind of what we described is people getting whipped into the not really the cage. It was more just like into the corners, but it was almost like it felt like they were running into the cage because you could just hear the rattling and it was pretty brutal. Yeah, Diesel doing his big man offense, Brett, Brett attacking the leg of Diesel's kind of what you expect from these two. Um I think the drama of like Brett, you would always try to escape, but Diesel would just because he's tall, he just re- reach up basically to the top and then Diesel escaping the trying to escape through the door, like trying to crawl through it. So it was good drama in this match, I thought. But uh, Brett or Diesel at one point resorts to uh, low blowing Brett off the top to get him to not escape. And then uh, but Brett fights back. Brett locks in the sharpshooter on a diesel or diesel kicks it off. And then Diesel tries to crawl to the door, but he's stopped by a purple glove. A mysterious purple glove from under the ring busts through the canvas, which I don't know if we've ever seen this at this point. Um, yeah, I think that's the first time. One of the first times for sure. At least. <laughs> it's The Undertaker. Because Undertaker said at the Royal Rumble that it would be a cold day in hell before Diesel would be WWE ch- or WWF champion. And uh, he just dragged him to hell, I guess. Uh, pulled him into the ring. Lots of smoke comes out. Mm-hmm. And my question is, wouldn't Diesel technically win this match? Yeah. I mean, I guess he's still in the ring, technically. I guess he couldn't see his feet touching the floor, I guess. Nah, you know what? You know what? I I think he did. I think he technically did because JBL did that same shit in 05. Mm -hmm. And... But he forget, he ended yeah, up crawling out slammed. from under the ring though. That's the thing. That's that's the difference. Diesel never popped back up again. Well, he did, but in the ring, right? But, but it's like but Brett got out the ring first. Like the JBL thing, he ended up crawling under the ring outside of it. Technically, JBL won that match the right way. That's a good point. He ended up that's outside of the ring that's before fair. the Big that's Show fair. did. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Diesel just we don't see him show back up outside of the ring. I mean, at some point, obviously we do, but Bret Hart, we see him outside of the confines of the ring in real time. He wins. That's how that goes. I think I think what it is, JBL didn't get sent to hell. So he only JBL only touched the floor. Diesel got brought all the way to hell, which is not the floor. So I think that's what kind of makes it different in a sense, but we could review the tape. Um, but <laughs> as Diesel is uh, getting who knows what done to him under the ring, Brett climbs over the top, touches the floor and retains his title. And uh, <laughs> Diesel comes back. He climbed like you guys said, he climbs back up through the hole into the ring and only his pants are torn, which is uh, a little suspicious, I think. But um don't know what the Undertaker's doing to him, but <laughs> hold on a minute, player. <laughs> uh, what, you, what, do, what do you mean when you say you're going one on one with the Undertaker? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Diesel or Taker's in the ring, chases him off. Diesel just hops in like two steps over the cage, gets the hell out of there, and then the show basically ends with Taker on top of the cage, pointing at Diesel. And uh, yeah, cool visual to end the show and sets up Diesel versus Undertaker at WrestleMania. And then we got Brett versus Sean set up at WrestleMania. So I guess they didn't say Sean versus Brett earlier, but said that they Roddy said that Sean would be in the main event. But now we got that solidified here. And uh, yeah, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation, as they say, right? Yes. I don't remember the last time they said that. <laughs> it's a drinking Bring game. That back. That's a drinking game. They make sure to say it here. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts on this one, guys? Uh, no, nah, it was a it was a solid little tune up before Mania. Uh, Vin, yeah, Vince Vince knew how to set up these matches really well. Like, mm-hmm. I think if any Booker needs to go back and watch like old stuff and see how feuds and storylines and matches were set up like months ahead of time. Like, I'm watching um, what was it Royal Rumble '95? I think it was. And seeing mm-hmm. how they just seamlessly set up uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow so easily, mm-hmm. just yeah. from a simple just interaction. Lawrence Taylor's there, invited by a friend. I think it was Kevin Nash Diesel invited him, mm-hmm. and he just gets into it with Bam Bam, whose partners turn on him. They lose the tag titles, like stuff like that. So uh, this this was another way. Like Taker comes out, you already set the tone for Taker and Diesel at Mania. I mean, not Mania Rumble. Uh, they got into it then at the Rumble. Taker, I think it was Taker and Brett, and then Diesel cost him. Uh, Diesel cost yep. Taker the belt. So, yep. like you already had that beef sustained. Like Taker's not gonna forget. So, uh, you if I was just watching, I just watched that Rumble like a couple weeks ago. So it was just fresh in my mind. Like, all right, when does Taker show up? And here he goes. So I didn't know that's how they did it though. So it was very interesting to see. I was like, oh, this is just like y'all. I was like, this is one of those first times they they did this gimmick too. I think. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, like I know a lot of people like to you know give Brett shit and everything like that. You know, he, he he's one of the biggest complainers I've ever seen in my life in in this business. But I, I can't can't ever say the dude didn't earn his in ring because I mean, oh yeah, for with sure. a, a guy like like Diesel that you know people had questions about you know being 
you know, uh, the way his, his movement was, being a, a bigger guy, and, you know, Brett being able to kind of hide those deficiencies in the ring and still get a good mm-hmm. match out of him. It's like few people are proficient in doing that, but Brett was damn sure one of them. It's like just watching a dude just chop down a tree for, right. what was it, like 20 minutes or so? Like, not a lot of people can make that shit. Every Brett, part of his body, the whole match, which is intelligent. Like, yep. Bret Hart psychologically is one of the best because, like, of course you do that. This guy's seven feet tall. Just break him down to size. Mm-hmm. Can't climb out the yeah. ring if your back and legs don't work. It's very true. But you right. can crawl out. Unless Undertaker stops you, I guess. But, um, but yeah, Brett, I mean, he just has intent behind everything he does. Like, we were talking about with the spot when he runs into the corner. Like, every bump, every strike, every move he does just feels like he's actually trying to hurt the guy. Which is a lost art, I think. I, I would compare him like Benoit and Eddie were the same thing. Like everything they did felt like it had like purpose to it. And Kurt. Brett was one of those guys too, and Kurt too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, and his yeah his match like his Royal Rumble match with Diesel, I think it was '95. Is probably my favorite Kevin Nash match of all time. It was just incredible. But um, Diesel will be off to uh, different pastures here in a few months. But. Uh, Got to put over old Taker on his way out. But um, yeah. yeah, pretty good show, I thought. Oh, if you guys had to grade this from S to F, S obviously being the best, what would you guys give it? Um, uh, Probably give it like a, a, a B or B minus. Like, I was thinking B too. Right, so. Yeah, a B plus. Yeah, it's at this point in 96, probably the best uh, – I have like all the WCW and ECW and WWF, probably the best show so far, even though it's still very early. Yeah. But it was mm-hmm. definitely better than the Rumble, I thought. Um, yeah. Even though it was a shorter show, I think every like minute for minute, I thought everything was pretty entertaining. There weren't really any duds. I don't think the Crybaby stuff was stupid, but like the match was yeah. fine. Like Razor and X Pac, two good talents, and even even Duke the Dumpster Josie showed up. He showed out. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, love we talked we talked last week when we recapped the rumble about just like keeping it sh- simple, right? You know, and it's like that. That's all this was. Like, it's not a long show. You keep it. What was it like five five matches on this card? Real simple, nothing crazy, nothing over the top. Just progressing storylines like you need to and moving on. That's it. I, I meant to ask you this earlier because you guys you did that theme song bracket on your show a while ago. Mm-hmm. Did was was Owen Hart's theme song on that because it should have been if it wasn't i'm thinking it was not but we, you, we can we can definitely uh you know do redetermination <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. if you bring it back if there's a round two he needs to be there, there's, gonna, there's been a round he, two. he he has an agenda he has an agenda to get three six mafia for uh mark henry what is it in the finals at least <laughs> to win i, I have an agenda yeah, for no, that to win to win okay <laughs> <laughs> well uh if people want to listen to that where, where can they uh they find you guys on uh, all the socials and all the podcast platforms and stuff at yk wrestling everywhere social ykwrestling.com i have some fact checks real quick uh just some things we Please, talked about give them to on me. this episode uh yes clarence mason was the original member of the nation and domination with farouk uh original founding member and uh, Isaac Yankum still existed during this time. He wrestled in a dark match after this show. Hmm. I did they had a lot of dark matches. I looked at the card. There was a lot of dark matches. Yeah. For Undertaker, Gold Dust. The dark matches might maybe even been as good as the, the actual card. But yeah. uh, 
Ahmed Johnson was on this card. Too. Right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Do you guys like you guys? Are you guys big Ahmed Johnson guys? This this see this is a perfect segue because I I was watching some shoot interviews at work this past Uh-oh. week. I came across one. Uh, I think it was Godfather talked about how Farouk didn't like Ahmed Johnson, and then Godfather just in passing mentioned that uh, D'Lo whooped his ass. And I listened to a Mark Henry interview, and Mark Henry said, confirmed the same story about D'Lo and Ahmed Johnson getting into it because of Farouk. Mm. So I, I went and found the D'Lo interview where he told the story. And he talked about how Ahmed Johnson was just getting a little too big for his britches backstage. Like, he had the title match versus Taker, uh, some pay-per-view. And he 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 pulls, like, uh, was it Gerald Briscoe to the side? He was like, I mean, I don't know about this, Jerry. I don't know. And he's just like, no, Taker's a good dude. It's going to be a good match. It's going to be fine. And Ahmed Johnson's like, no, I don't know about being champion. I don't know if I can handle it. Like, bro, you're not going to win this championship. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Should he have so, been, though? Should he have been? No. Hell no. Oh. Nah, nah. I mean, there he was, was over, but time. he fucking sucked. Like, he, and that's why Farouk yeah. didn't like him because he ended up putting Farouk out of action for like a year because he didn't know what the yeah, fuck I was about he to say was doing. So Farouk held yeah, on to that was and whooped his ass the first time they met again. <laughs> there was there, there was definitely a time where they Dang. was high on like you know what, Ahmed might be that that first that first that we have to put it on him, and then the, the stuff like this started happening. You know, Farouk was was just one of them mm. that that got hurt, and uh, you know that combined with his little hesitation and stuff like that, it's like all right, nah, nah, we're just gonna pass on you. And uh, you're just going to go wherever we fit you. I also like listened to Jim Ross talk about uh, when he had to fire Ahmed Johnson, too. How'd that go? <laughs> I, I, I See, I wasn't paying that much attention to it because, you know, Jim Ross would cap sometimes. <laughs> but uh, apparently, uh-huh. like, uh, Godfather and uh, well, he was comma back then. And, and D-Lo were there when it happened, so. And then we don't see Ahmed Johnson. Oh, yeah. Ahmed Johnson also, Mark Henry talked about how uh, he tried to spike his drink. And then he called him outside and then left him on the side of the road because he tried to spike his drink. <laughs> this Ahmed Johnson is a menace. I, didn't, yeah. I had no idea. This big oily <laughs> bastard. That deep, this dude. Good Four guy. interviews are only about 20 minutes long. I learned a lot about Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> that could be its own <laughs> podcast episode in itself on that Johnson, I think. Yeah. But uh yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Just thinking of him at oily with his five knee pads on in Jim Ross's office. Like I can't, with that his can't be tricep a implant. He had a tricep at man. Okay, we are gonna need go, to do Ahmed Johnson. Go look at pictures <laughs> of Ahmed Johnson's triceps and tell me that wasn't an implant. Once again, thank you to TC and Reek for joining me. On this episode, covering In Your House 6. Always a good time with those guys. Check them out. Young Kings Wrestling Podcast. YKWrestling.com. Check the description. All their socials in there. Great follows on the, on the Twitters and the Instagrams as well. Uh, follow me at Apron Bump. TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. ApronBump.com for all my full episodes. And hey, let's grade. I don't know why I'm yelling. Let's grade this show, shall we? Let's pull up the score. Pull it up. All right. So we got our scoreboard here. And uh, you know what? This is So I was thinking, right? <clears throat> so if you're new to this, by the way, and by the way, this would help if you watched on YouTube. 
but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk through it as well. So we basically got a bunch of criteria that we're grading each company on. Now, this is WWF versus WCW versus ECW for the year of 1996. And uh, we have a scoreboard here. As of right now, it's WWF 6, WCW with 2, and ECW with 12. What are these scores based off of? Well, we got uh, a tier list, basically where we grade all of the pay-per-views. And the company with the highest average score gets the points here. As of right now, the uh, the company with the that wins this criteria gets four points. However, I'm considering changing this to six purely because I think this is the most objective criteria because I'll pull over to here. Pay-per-view grades. So we're going through each pay-per-view as we cover them and we grade them. So I think this is the most like logical, like it's still subjective at the end of the day. But um, I just think ultimately it makes more sense for that to factor more into the total score because that's kind of like. I don't know. It just seems more objective to me. Also, I think pay-per-views. Because this is based off of the pay-per-view quality, right? And I think that's kind of a culmination of the in-ring, the promos, the characters, the storylines, all of it, right? The mystique that the company has behind it, the momentum. I think everything is taken into account with the quality of the show. So I feel like that's the most important at the end of the day. So I think I'm going to change this to six instead of four. But uh, we also take into in consideration uh, best in-ring, best roster, best out-of-ring stuff. So the gimmicks, the characters, the promos, and all that stuff. So we take all elements into play here. So the question is, how does WWF In Your House 6 change this? So first of all, let's grade the show, shall we? So we got a couple C's and a couple F's so far. So not a very strong start to the year. However, I'm going to give In Your House 6 a B. Solid show. Very good show. We talked about it towards the end of the episode. Um, they didn't do too much. I mean, the crybaby match was... You could You could say that that was doing too much. But I think everything around the show... Well, Scott, they set up WrestleMania very well. You had some good matches. Sean versus Owen. Brett versus Diesel was solid. Even the crybaby match. Even Razor versus Kid was pretty good. Bulldog versus Yoko, surprisingly pretty good. So it's like, even Duke the Dumpster Drozzy showed up, man. I mean, I think this. I think a B is more than fair. It's not an A. It wasn't an amazing show. It's not a show I'd be like, hey, you got to go watch this. But I think a B is fair. So as of right now... First of all, how does this affect the tier list average? Well, it seems that it has brought WWF in the lead in terms of pay-per-view quality. So, this changes to WWF, best overall average grade. And man, what a turnaround in the scoreboard. So we got WWF with 12, WCW still has 2. And ECW now has eight. So the question now is what else has changed on here? Best pay-per-view of the year. Well, I guess now that's in your house six, but previously it was Royal Rumble. So it's still WWF. So it doesn't really change the score at all, but uh, worst pay-per-view. So that's still the same. Still super brawl from WCW in ring as of right now. 
ECW has that has that locked down. But I think Brett Diesel was good. Sean Owen, Sean, Sean and Brett becoming major factors in WWF is really going to push them over the edge. Now we're not there yet. Now we're not we're not grading this based on what's going to happen. We're just we're grading this based on what we have covered so far. But I still think WWF might have overtaken ECW in terms of entering quality. Um because ECW hasn't really had a lot of strong matches. Like a lot of it, like the Eddies and the Benoits and stuff that ECW did have, they've gone to WCW. So I think WWF has this locked down. Uh, best match, Public Enemy versus Nasty Boys. Did anything on In Your House 6 overtake this? Probably got to give it to Sean and Owen, right? Um, even Brett and Diesel, I think, was probably better than that, to be honest. Either way, I think it's it's WWF. So Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart. Now, this will change. We're still early in the year, but as of right now, best match goes to WWF. So now WCW has zero points. Now WWF is just dominating at this point, but we've seen how fast things can swing. And uh, I feel like WCW is going to make up for this later in the year when it comes down to the roster, when it comes down to their storylines, because we know what happens in the summer. So they're not out of it. But right now they're uh, pretty dreadful. <laughs> WCW wrestler of the year. Shawn Michaels still worst of the year. Still Hulk Hogan. Best character storyline. Diesel. Diesel and Undertaker. Because before it was just Diesel as like his, his internal like evolution, but I'm I'm just gonna modify this to Diesel Taker because I think a lot of that I think that stuff's really good, um, but still WWF so that doesn't change the score. Worst character, yeah, still Dungeon of Doom. I feel like that is not going to change throughout the year, but we'll see. So there we go. Final score for uh, this week. In 1996, so we got WWF with 18, WCW with zero, and ECW with four. So WWF, the new generation, putting the stomping on the other companies so far. But we got a long way to go. A long way to go. I mean, how many fucking shows do we got to cover? We got 32 fucking, holy shit. I might, well, some of these I'm probably going to combine, but. Uh, a lot more, a lot more shows to take into account is what I'm saying here. And, um, but yeah, so that's where we're at. And, uh, yeah, with that, I think you've had enough of me today. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go let you enjoy your day and I'm going to go put makeup under my eyes because I look like a sad boy right now. Uh, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. Love you all. Big smooches. Uh-huh. I'm hard.